0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world.
1: Hey, we had a great Sunday last week, didn't we? At Thanksgiving Day, who had a great Sunday? It was a fantastic day, yeah. and Why don't we give all of our volunteers who helped pull it off a huge round of applause too, hey? A lot of people uh, helped make Thanksgiving Day happen, and it was a a fantastic day. As we've seen in the pictures, as Laurie's already said, it was uh, just a great celebration. Awesome to see all the the shells filled in the care centre, and and what a blessing it's going to be to families and and people in need in our community over the next uh, 12 months or so. It was a memorable day last Sunday, and for more reasons than one. Uh, let me ask you though this morning, who here suffers from motion sickness? A few of you, yep, okay, a few of you. It's, uh, it's not that fun, old motion sickness. You gotta be careful every time you go driving or you go flying or in a boat or whatever, something like that. You know, if you suffer from motion sickness, it's actually really important to plan ahead. Really important to plan ahead, to look what's coming up in the next little while in your life, figuring out what's happening through your day and to be prepared. Recently, on the school holidays, uh, our family did a bit of a road trip uh, up the coast, the North Queensland coast, and uh, there was a lot of driving involved. But our, our kids get motion sickness, but Laurie was so prepared. She, uh, she made sure that she took every effort to make sure the kids didn't get sick. She went out and got those uh, anti nausea wristbands. Have you seen them? Those, those things that you put on your wrist. She, she made sure that we could uh, move around in the vehicle a little bit if we were going on particularly winding roads. we kind of rotate who sat in the passenger seat. And uh, we made sure that we, uh, we were careful with what we ate. One of the days uh, on this trip, we even planned to go out on the, uh, on the water out to one of the islands. And, uh, and we were even more prepared. You know, we we made sure that we, uh, an hour before going on the boat, we had those travel-calming medication pills. Uh, We made sure we had plenty to drink, and uh, and we didn't eat too much. And although it was a bumpy and windy day, everybody got home safe and well. Not even a, a, a hint of travel sickness. Things went really well because we were planned. But it's when you don't plan, you can easily get into trouble. Last Sunday, Thanksgiving Day, it was a fantastic Sunday. And uh, after the service, I just enjoyed catching up with so many people, having a chat with people. And I kind of lost a little bit track of time and lost track of where my family were up to. They were busy going on the train rides, the jumping castle, and the, the kids just ran amok. But it got kind of my, my hunger told me, hey, it's time to stop for lunch. So we managed to, uh, to go and get one of those amazing uh, chicken schnitzels and I gathered most of my family and we just had some time just catching up and, and sharing lunch together. But my son didn't join us. He was too busy on the train running around and straight after I'd finished lunch, I saw him making his way towards the giant spinny ride. And I, I thought to myself, oh, what a great opportunity for some father and son bonding. You know, and that's the only thought that went through my head. So I trotted over to the, uh, to the, the, the ride and, and there, were, there were a couple of spots left and there was a, a spot that had two seats. And so I said, hey Saxon, why don't we jump on? He said, yeah, great, fantastic. And so we are strapped in and the ride starts going. And then I remembered, oh no, I get travel sick. Did not plan for that at all. And so uh, I thought to myself, oh yeah, she'll be right. This will be over quick. You know, these rides, they kind of spin you around a few times and then let the next people have a go. Uh, but uh, as we kept going round and round, I started getting more and more ill, sicker and sicker. And, uh, and, and I, I started taking uh, a whole bunch of steps to try and resolve this. I, I shut my eyes for a little bit, just tried to block everything out. That didn't help. I tried sticking my hand up and saying, hey, we're done. Can we finish the ride? Can we stop spinning now? Uh, I reckon the ride operator just laughed. I even started praying to God saying, make it stop. My God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't even make it better. And so we're going around, spinning around, spinning around. I'm like, surely this is going to be ending very, very quickly. But no, unfortunately, the whole world had to see my chicken schnitzel wrap that I just enjoyed for lunch. And I tell you what, I reckon reckon the ride operator just thought it was funny and just cranked it up to 11. (laughs) By the end of that ride, I had decorated the entire 360-degree area I had completely emptied the contents of my stomach and I was washed out for the rest of the day. But wasn't it a great day, Thanksgiving Day, hey? <laughs> so good, so good. Oh. See, when we don't plan, we can get into trouble very quickly. When we don't plan and when we act foolishly like that and don't think, we can get into trouble really quickly. That's why it's so important to plan. We have to plan for the important things in life, not just navigating motion sickness, but for the important things. If you you want to build the perfect home, you spend some time with an architect, you draw up the plans, you make a blueprint, you develop plans for your home. If your health is important for you, you you make a fitness plan, you figure out a a menu, and you, you might even count your calories. You develop a plan because your health is important to you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring probably some of the most important things in our lives, our key relationships, and the wisdom that God gives us to plan well in them. The next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how does God call us and encourage us to plan for our marriages? How does he encourage us to plan in our families? And how does he call us to plan in leaving a legacy? Now, I reckon it's going to be a really practical series, a really helpful series. I want to encourage you to be here every week over the next few weeks. And so this morning, we're going to explore God's plan for marriage. And right at the outset, I want to acknowledge here today that there are many different stages and phases represented in this room and represented online when it comes to marriage. For some of you here this morning, you have never been more in love with your spouse. Things are going great. But there are others who are going through a really difficult time in their journey, even just today. Some of you might be here today and you're just looking forward to that one day when you're going to be married. While others have had their marriage end in hurt and pain. Maybe you're here today wishing your spouse was sitting right alongside you. Or maybe you're here today and you're praying that your spouse would one day come to church. In this series, we're going to be looking at a, at a few different situations. Even next Sunday night, we're going to be looking at the theme of singleness. But I just want to recognize that we're all in different stages and phases when it comes to marriage. But hopefully today, there are some general principles that will help us all out, whether in our current or our future marriage, or even in our close friendships. I'm hopeful that there is some wisdom from God for you today. And I believe there will be. See, great marriages don't just happen. They actually take a lot of work. They need attention. They actually need a plan. See, if you want a great marriage, you can't just say your I do's and then sit back and take it easy. You can't put the work into, the, into dating, chasing your partner, and then when you finally get the girl or get the boy, you just go into cruise control and expect everything will turn out amazingly. I and mean, Once the ring's on the finger, and certainly over time, it can be a little tempting to get a bit lazy in our marriages. Just hold on and hope things will turn out for the best. But there's no other area of life where we can just get lazy and simply expect things to get better. If we want to get fitter and healthier, but we, we, we get a little bit lazy in our eating or in our exercising, we're not going to make the progress that we want. In our businesses and with our finances, things aren't going to miraculously work out if we just take our foot off the pedal. Even in our, our yards at the moment with the, the sun and the rain and the season's changing, we're going to have to be getting out there more and more mowing the grass and, and cutting things back. It's going to get out of control if we don't. And then in our marriages, sometimes we think that the grass is greener on the other side. We want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, if you think the grass looks greener, it's time to go and water your own yard. Time to go and invest into your own marriage. The Old Testament story of Jacob and the two daughters of Laban, they give us a, a challenge here. Jacob worked for this guy Laban, and, and Laban had two daughters. And the Bible describes them in detail. It's quite hilarious when you read it in the Bible. This is what it actually says about Laban's daughter, daughters. It says, Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful, and Leah had weak eyes. That's actually what your Bible says. I'm not making that up. That's a quote straight out of Genesis. The Bible is pretty much saying that Rachel was hot and Leah had a great personality. <laughs> and so Jacob, he, he falls in love with Rachel. And he says to Laban that he will work for seven years in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. And, and that hard toil that he puts in, those seven years, they go so quickly, like a day for young Jacob. But on his marriage night, when he turns up, Laban does the old switcheroo. And Jacob ends up with the wife with the weak eyes. And he's incensed. Jacob is so angry. And, uh, and he goes to Laban and Laban says, well, look, our family tradition is that you marry the eldest first. So I'll tell you what, you can have Rachel if you work for me for another seven years as well. Talk about harsh. But Jacob is so infatuated with Rachel that he says, yes, Sure. When I was a young kid, I thought that it worked. When I read this story, I thought that uh, Jacob would have to work for another seven years and then get Rachel. But when you read the text, it actually says at the end of their marriage week, at the end of their marriage week, Laban hands Rachel to Jacob, and then Jacob works for another seven years. And he's actually working in Laban's family for his wife. I actually think there's a challenge there for us. You know, the hard work doesn't stop on the wedding day. You've got to work at your marriage. The wedding day isn't the finish line. The marathon has just begun. A great marriage requires a good plan and it requires hard work. So what does God actually say about marriages? What encouragement does he give us? Well, along with Jacob's wives, there are some incredible marriage stories in the Bible. Uh, some, some crazy things, uh, and, and not all of them are necessarily a good example to follow. But so today, we're going to look at what Paul says about marriage in Ephesians. And to make sense of that, we've got to understand the, the culture and the context of marriage in Jesus' time. In first century Judea, husbands and wives would get married pretty young, late teens or 20s for, for the men, and, and, and as young as 13 or 14 for for girls. And in Jesus' time, uh, wives were pretty much the property of their husbands. In the Jewish community, the father of the groom would pay a dowry, or in, uh, in Hebrew, a mocha, to the father of the bride. And while it wasn't quite a purchase, the husband did have certain rights. The husband was the one who had absolute authority over his household. He could actually call for his children or even his wife to be publicly punished for the wrong things that they did. He was the only one who could issue divorce papers, and most wives referred to their husbands as Lord. Can you believe that? Most wives referred to their husbands as Lord. In this patriarchal society, men and women were not seen as equals. And the main purpose of marriage was to bring honour to the family and continue the family's line. Wives were often considered practical rather than precious. And getting married was often a a social and an economic decision rather than a romantic one. And faithfulness from husbands was rare. But Jesus challenged society's view of women. He acknowledged women. He he honoured women and he healed women. Against the culture of the day, Jesus argued for female dignity, for their value, for their worth, and he lifted women to be equals with men. The Apostle Paul took Jesus' teaching and said to the church at Galatia, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hey, there you go. In other words, men and women were to be seen as equals in the sight of the Lord, just as they were in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. And so we've got to understand this to make sense of what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, open up to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, page 780 in my Bible, uh, but uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. But it's, a, it's a, quite a fascinating passage and I think has caused us some challenges over the years. Let me, let me start at verse 21 of chapter 5. It says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's where Paul starts, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. Now, over the years, this has been a really controversial scripture. Taken out of context, this verse has been used to justify, I think, all sorts of unhelpful teaching. But I want to show you something really interesting in this passage. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is Paul's starting point. This is where he begins, submit to one another. At this point, He doesn't mention male or female. He just says, submit to one another. Then, watch this, in the original Greek, in verse 22, the original Greek actually reads like this. Wives, to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. Notice there's no actual word submit there. The verb submit doesn't appear in the Greek. When the the translators have moved it from Greek into English, they've had to pull the verb submit from the previous sentence to make it make sense sense. So this is what Paul is saying. You know, Paul is saying marriage is about submission, but for both husbands and wives. It just so happens that he addresses the wives first. Let's continue and discover it a little bit more. Verse 23 says, "...the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything." For Paul's original audience, this is not the divisive part. This is not the controversial part. As we saw before in the culture of the day, wives submitting to their husbands was the standard. It was expected. Wives were used to submission. They were the ones who were calling their husband Lord. It's what Paul says next that is really the controversial bit. Paul commands, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is the controversial bit. This is the new teaching. In in the light of Christ, Paul brought new meaning and focus to marriage. Paul's argument is that each partner in Christian marriage has a responsibility to put the others first. Marriage for Jesus' followers is not all about the man being served, but husbands actually have an obligation towards their wives to give themselves up for their wives, to put their wives first like Jesus put the church first. And this was the controversial teaching in Paul's day and age. But it makes a lot of sense. See, Jesus told his followers to love each other as I have loved you, and that greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. In the same way that Jesus sacrificed himself for the church, In Christian marriage, both husbands and wives are to sacrifice themselves for the other. Paul is saying, Look to Jesus in your example of marriage. Put the other first. Sacrifice yourself for your spouse. For Paul, marriage is an ongoing act of mutual self sacrifice. Let me say that again marriage is an ongoing act of mutual self sacrifice. So with that in mind, how do we honor God in our, in our, and in our spouses in our marriage? How do we reflect Paul's picture of this marriage as being an ongoing act of mutual self-sacrifice? Oh, I've got three simple encouragements this morning, and they're, they're probably so simple that they kind of almost think, well, that's, that's common sense. But I reckon sometimes statements are easy to say, but much harder to do. And so we're going to begin uh, with uh, with this one. And these, as I said, these are really simple statements to say, but much more difficult to actually do. Firstly, one way that you can uh, you can uh, live out your marriage as an ongoing act of self-sacrificial love is to express your sacrificial love with your words. Express your love with your words. Words are incredibly important. And I think oftentimes, though, that the most important words can sometimes remain unspoken. Sometimes we might think them in our head, but they fail to come out of our mouths. I'm sure I'm not the only one who said to their wife, "Hun, did didn't I tell you yesterday that I couldn't pick the kids up today? Or did I just think that? Maybe I am the only one in the room who does that. But I think sometimes we have these thoughts and we don't always verbalize them. And I think we have these great encouraging thoughts about our spouses, but we never get them out of our heads by expressing them with our mouths. The writer to the Hebrews says this, he says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The Bible challenges us to encourage one another daily so our hearts aren't hardened. Expressing our sacrificial love on our wedding day by saying, I do, and leaving it at that is just not enough. We need to encourage one another daily, lift each other up, express our love with our words constantly. And I reckon we do that a little bit differently based on our gender. The guys in the room, let me talk to you for a moment. Let, you, uh, let me encourage you to express your sacrificial love to your spouse using words, of affection. And let me take that a little bit further and let me encourage you to use words of non-sexual affection. What are words, what, are, what is non-sexual affection? Well, it's affection that is non-sexual. See, us guys, we can kind of make everything a little bit like that. We can make everything a little bit weird. You know, when our, our, our wife says to us, hey, can you wash the dishes? Some guys kind of go, I can wash your dishes. And just make everything kind of a play, make everything a setting up expectation. And some of you are laughing awkwardly, but it does happen in many homes, I know. But if we, that's what, that's what that, you know, expectation and all that sort of stuff comes with. But words of non-sexual affection, they're words of gratitude, of encouragement, and they come attached with no expectation. I want to give you a really simple tool to help you in this, something that has a power, I think, to change your marriage if you use it frequently. Just to tell your wife not just that you love her, but tell her why you love her. Tell her, I love you because, and fill in the blank. Just finish this simple sentence as genuinely, as frequently, and as uniquely as much as you can. I love you because... And fill the blank. Hey, it's really easy to do. Let me give you a great example. Laurie, I love you because you are my best friend. I love you because you are beautiful. I love you because you are a brilliant mother to our kids. I love you because you're so gentle. I love you because you, uh, you, you tidy up after my mess. I love you because you put others first. I love you because you... A legend. I love you. He goes. See, it's simple, right? All the wives are saying, yeah, yeah, it's simple, it's simple. <clears throat> now, I don't love Laurie because of all of those things. I love her no matter what. But in her heart, it does her good to hear me just uh, affirm and, and, and uh, appreciate her for the things that she does. Just go home and try it, man. It'll be really significant. I really believe that it can change marriages for the better. Ladies, the task is a little different for you. Still want to encourage you to use your words to show, to to express your love, but a slightly different twist. Your husband needs to hear words of affirmation. I'll let you in on a little secret here. Us blokes, we're actually pretty insecure. We need encouragement. We need affirmation. We need to know that the person who knows and loves us best actually believes in us the most. That's why after I, I, I preach here or, or do something that Lauren sees, at some point later in the day, I'll ask her, so what do you think? How did that go? And now ultimately, I'm, uh, I'm accountable to God for that. And, and I know everyone listening is going to have a different opinion saying, uh, well, where was his big prop this week? Or he, he actually wasn't that funny when he was making comments about non-sexual affection. But, but, but if my wife believes in me, if my wife affirms me, that does something for me right in here. Now The constructive criticism can come later in the week, but right now I'm looking for encouragement. For wives here today, expressing words of affirmation to your husband is a perfect opportunity to encourage what you appreciate in him. When you affirm, and when you affirm him, he is more likely to repeat that pattern of behaviour. Don't focus on the negatives. Don't focus on what he could have done better. Affirm what he did right. I know, for example, a lot of wives would, would love for their husband to take more of a lead in the, the spiritual life of their family. So I want to encourage you, affirm him when he takes a step in that direction, even if it's a small step, even if it's not to the extent that you want. Affirm him for the right things that he's doing. I loved it that you came to church today. Oh, that was a great prayer that you prayed over grace for our meal. And when you see something, affirm it, encourage it. Just show your husband that you love him by using and expressing your words. See, God commands us to encourage one another with our words. And if we express our sacrificial love through our words of affection and through our words of affirmation, we can make a lot of progress in our relationships. Secondly, if you want to work on your marriage, you want to work harder, you want to put a plan into place, I want to encourage you this morning to show sacrificial love through your actions. In James's letter to the New, in the New Testament, James says this. He says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. There are times when you have the, the best of intentions. There are times when you've got the greatest ideas in your head. But you can never show your love effectively if you don't actually make it happen. To strengthen our marriages, we need to close that gap between intention and action, and to show our love through what we do. If you're thinking about going home early from work, then go home early from work. If you're wondering what show to watch, then make a conscious decision to watch what your spouse wants to watch. If you don't know what all that noise in the the bathroom in the evening is, get off your phone, go find out, and take the initiative to bath your kids and put them to bed. It might just be the most romantic thing you've done all year. But don't just have the idea in your mind. If you think of something that will show your love, put it into action. Do it. And it can have an even greater effect when it's unexpected. Try it out and just see. You know, While your spouse is out, do the household chore that would normally be their job. Or, or write a bunch of post-it notes and leave them around the house where your spouse will find them, in the drawers or on the dishwasher, in, inside the fridge. Or, or guys, send flowers for no reason at all other than to let, you know that, uh, let your wife know that you love them. And here's a bonus tip. If you send them flowers at their workplace or when they're hanging out with other women, you'll get bonus points. It's true. Maybe you feel like you're juggling umpteen different things in life. And so perhaps you need to consciously plan to show your love with your actions. Maybe you need to actually calendarize it, prioritize things so that, you doesn't, so that it doesn't get lost in the busyness of life. Maybe you need to sit down and open your calendars together and find that night you can get away. Or arrange for someone to come and mind the kids, and get out to that restaurant that you've always wanted to visit, that movie that you've wanted to see. Or it could be even to help. It could even be helpful to schedule your intimacy. Maybe you need to have Monday Fun Day in your calendar. No, oh, you could probably come up with names for the rest of the week as well. I'll leave that to you. But if you want to strengthen your marriage, show your sacrificial love through your actions. Close the gap between your intention and your action. Develop a plan. Don't just think it, but do it. So we're going to express our sacrificial love through our words, show our sacrificial love through our actions, and lastly, we're going to cultivate sacrificial love with our thoughts. There's no such thing, let me, let me burst the bubble right now, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage, because there's no such thing as perfect people. I reckon Laurie and I have had a, have a pretty great relationship. But this week, we've, we've had been kind of ships crossing in the night. We haven't connected. We haven't really seen. It's been a, a, a challenging week, in all honesty. In our marriages, despite our best intentions, we're going to disappoint our spouse. We're going to let them down we're going to frustrate them. And often we can get tempted to point, point the finger at our spouse and highlight their shortfalls. Point the finger and say, oh, you're the problem. And I know it would be so much better if, if he was more like this or she was less like that. I wish he was more spiritual or I wish she was more adventurous. I wish he was more romantic or I wish she was less critical. I wish he was less insensitive. I wish she was more affectionate. We could go on and on. But my encouragement to you this morning is instead of whinging about where your spouse is not, continue to let the Holy Spirit to grow you into what you're supposed to be. That's why it's so important to cultivate sacrificial love with our thoughts. Think for a moment what Paul says about love, how he describes it in one of the most famous verses about love throughout all of history. Paul says in the letter to the Corinthians, he says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record Of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So many of those characteristics of love begin up here in our heads. See, if we want to strengthen our marriage, we need to cultivate sacrificial love with our thoughts. Love doesn't let anger fester inside of us. Love doesn't hold grudges. Love forgives quickly and it keeps trusting. It keeps hoping for the best. So deal with conflict healthily. Don't go to bed angry with your spouse. Resolve your conflict before you go to sleep. Stop holding on to that grudge. Forgive your spouse for what has happened in the past and step together into the future. And if you don't like what you're getting in marriage, instead of trying to change your spouse, look at what you're giving. Maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to do a powerful work within you. Now, I reckon our our thoughts are the, the hardest ones sometimes to control because we can very easily sort of throw our partner under the bus. I encourage you to cultivate your thoughts so you can build that sacrificial love by cultivating your thoughts. See, marriage is an ongoing act of mutual self-sacrifice. I and mean, great marriages don't just happen. We need to live out a plan to strengthen our relationships. So we can do that by expressing our love with our words, showing our love with our actions, and cultivating our love with our thoughts. And as we do that practically, I thought it'd be helpful this morning to hear from a few married people at Gateway and find out what they do People who are at different stages of life and different challenges and, uh, and, and hear from them and their wisdom. So would you welcome this morning Kimmy Close, Tim Hood and Carol Alcorn as they come up to share. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Come forward guys, feel free to uh, stand at the front of the stage here and uh, keen to hear your stories. Kimmy, uh, we love having you and Nathan on our worship team. Uh, How long have you guys been married for? 11 years. 11 years. That is great. And I know uh, you've got two young kids at home, uh, a massive handful, Nathan's got a busy job at hospital, including calls and all that sort of stuff on the weekend, so you guys are juggling a little bit, right? Tell us, uh, what, what sort of plans have you put in place to develop your love for one another?
0: Yeah, well, as you said, so we're in a season at the moment where um, we're very busy. Nathan's pretty time poor um, and I live in a kind of semi-permanent exhaustion um, <laughs> with our kids and what's going on in their lives. Um, but uh, so Nath gets up significantly earlier than I do in the morning to get to work um, and I am a don't-talk-to-me-before-7am kind of person. <laughs> um, a few years ago, uh, Nate started getting up half an hour earlier than he already was, um, to make sure that the kitchen was clean and the dishwasher was emptied. Um, And then he started making me a coffee in a keep cup and put it on my bedside table when he left for work in the morning. And I honestly, like, I never see him mostly in the mornings. Um, And so just that little, you know, he didn't have to do that. I didn't ask him to do that, but he chose to... Choose that way to put me first and to show me every morning when I wake up with a hot coffee, everybody's day starts better. Um, and um, yeah, so I just say don't underestimate um, the little things. It's really important.
1: Yeah, that's good, Kimmy. Really cool. Tim, mate, great uh, working. We love working with you. You're our missions pastor here at Gateway. Uh, Michelle's on our welcome team this morning. How long have you guys been married
2: for? Uh, In April, 25 years we ticked over, so that was a big celebration this year. Well
1: done. Fantastic. That's awesome. And you're in a different stage of life. Your kids have grown up, um, uh, three kids, one still at school, a couple of young adults in your household. Probably never see them. They're always off doing something else. How do you and Michelle strengthen your marriage? What plans do you put into action, mate?
2: I reckon uh, it's about foundations. And you can put foundations down any day and every day through your marriage. See, we live in a consumer-focused, throwaway society. And uh, that's not fertile soil for any relationship, let alone a marriage. And so if you don't want to have a consumer-focused throwaway marriage, you've got to do something foundational about it. And and part of it is putting, as you've said, Tim, it's putting uh, the other person first. It's putting their interests in front of yours, trusting them that uh, they're going to be your cheer squad and you're going to be their cheer squad. And and also, uh, for, for us, as we went into marriage, you know, divorce wasn't an option. And so therefore we said, if, if it's not an option, we don't want to have a marriage that we're going to endure. We're going to want to have a marriage that we're going to enjoy. And so therefore we're going to have to put in effort. We're going to have to be intentional. For us, you know, one of the ways we do that is we make sure we put, put aside some time to go and find something that we mutually enjoy doing. We love going out uh, to, to have a meal together. And we're also careful that we make sure, particularly at this stage of life, that we're not just talking about the kids all the time because uh, that's not always gonna be our conversation and we're gonna lose a foundation if we're not careful. And uh, another really practical thing that uh, I discovered, particularly as the kids were growing up, was I realized I had to do a bit more to help around the house. I was busy at work, but I had to do something more. The model for me was mum, always did the cooking at our place, but I decided that I'd give cooking a crack and I uh, wasn't very good to, to start with. I then also realized if actually I wasn't buying the, the food into the house that I didn't have the right things to work with. So I took on buying the groceries, doing the cooking, and I've learned to love it. It's been a real blessing to my family and blessing to my wife. And and she does things, a bit of role reversal. I've get i got, uh, what do you call it, grass allergies. So she mows the lawn and she blesses me with that. I bless her uh, and the family with cooking. And uh, it just keep doing simple things, showing each other you love
1: them. Yeah, that's good, Tim. Carol and Ross, uh, you guys have been married the longest here. Can you tell us, how long have you been married?
3: Uh, almost 49 years.
1: I reckon that's worth a round of applause, don't you, hey? So good. And uh, you've, got, you've got quite a number in your family, obviously no longer living at home. Tell us, really briefly, who, what's your family look like?
3: Uh, we have three happily married children and uh, 11 grandchildren.
1: 11 grandchildren, so, so Aging
3: good. 19 down to five.
1: There you go. So if we are here want to get to, you know, a half century of happy marriage together, what sort of tips would you give uh, us around strengthening your marriage?
3: Uh, firstly, I would, I would say putting Christ at the centre of your marriage and praying together regularly. Not always easy, but we try to do that as much as we can. Uh, secondly, uh, oh blank. Got a blink. <laughs> uh, just the way we treat each other, um, always putting your partner first in uh, everything you do. If if they're doing that and you're doing that, well, things will have to go right. Um, but uh, and thirdly, uh, being aware of your partner's emotions. Um, we all act and react differently to things. But if you know how your partner's going to react, then um, sometimes you might have to put yourself in their shoes or or even into their minds uh, to get to know how they are going to react. Uh, that can be very beneficial. And we will get it wrong, but when we do, we always need to apologize. And saying sorry is very important and not going to bed with unresolved issues. Uh, One other thing I think it's been touched on, and that is make time for each other. Some have busy lives, as we've heard from Kim, uh, and young families. If that's the case, well, wait till they go to bed and set up a nice table with your favourite music and candles and have a lovely dinner together. And make those special memories so that when times are tough, you can think about those things and they will uh, give you a lift and make you strong.
1: That's awesome. So good, Carol. Really appreciate you and Ross. So hey, why don't we give all three of uh, these amazing people round of applause. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> Marriage is an ongoing act of self-sacrifice. And when we express our love with our words, we show our love with our actions, and we cultivate our love with our thoughts, God gets glorified. And that requires hard work. It requires us to develop a plan to put it into practice. And so this morning, I want to give you some homework. I want to give you a challenge to do sometime this week. And that's simply to sit down, have a conversation with your spouse, and ask this question, what more can we do to put our love into action? Maybe you need to sit down and, and uh, have a coffee together or after the kids have gone to bed, uh, as, uh, as Carol mentioned, maybe go out for lunch or, or invest, just go for a walk after work, but take some time to invest in your marriage. Have an open and frank conversation about where things are at, how you use your words, your actions and your thoughts, and discuss what each of you need as you look forward. Ask yourselves, what plan do you need to put into action if we wanna strengthen our marriage so that it brings God more honour. Maybe there's some ideas that we've explored today that will be part of that plan. Perhaps you'll come up with your own. Or maybe you're in a stage of life where you just need a little bit of extra help to explore that question. Now the team at our counselling centre would love to help you work through those questions together. Just be a third party who can kind of be, a, be someone who can ask the questions of, of both of you and, and just help you to develop a plan. And marriage counselling is not just for when things are strained. Marriage counselling can be an important part of healthy marriages. You can just simply head to our website to find out more. You can book online and connect with some people in there They would love to sit down with you and help you map some of that stuff out. But I want to encourage you, find some time this week to have that conversation, to discuss how you can continue to mutually self-sacrifice for one another. And I'm hopeful that however you have that conversation, whatever plan you come up with to implement, God will bring you and your spouse closer together. As Carol said, the, the best marriages have God at the centre. The strongest marriages plan to honour God, to imitate Christ, as He gave Himself up for the church. The Bible says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so this morning I would love to conclude by praying for all of our married couples. And I recognise that there's a bunch of people in this room and online who are at different phases and different stages, but I just hope you can forgive us just for one moment of this year, taking some time out just to pray for married couples. To pray that, that God would be at the center, that God would strengthen you, that God would encourage you, and you can make sure that Jesus is the foundation of your marriage. So right now, I'd love to invite you if you're married here today to jump to your feet. You might not be here with your spouse and that's quite okay. I just wanna encourage you if you are married, I'd love to pray for you right now. If you're with your spouse next door to you, just hold their hand. I love seeing Ross hold uh, Carol's hand as she shared this morning. Just hold their hand as we just wanna pray with you and lift your marriage up to God. Father God, we thank You for the gift of marriage. God, I thank You for each and every marriage represented here today and online. Well, while, while I'm praying, if you're watching online, can I encourage you, drop your name, your, your name of you and your spouse, maybe how long you've been in, uh, married for, drop it in the chat, we'd love to be praying with you as well. But God, we thank You for each and every marriage represented here today. Jesus, we, we thank You that You have drawn uh, people to find one another. And God, today we just wanna lift those marriages up to You wherever they are at. God, we recognise that some might be really struggling at the moment. God, I pray that you would just breathe fresh life into marriages today. Lord, where there's, uh, where there's unforgiveness, would you bring forgiveness? Where there's harbouring of grudges, would you bring release? Jesus, we pray that you would just, uh, you, would, you would bring your love and your light into marriages today, all across this room and, and for those who are watching online as well. God, we wanna lift up uh, those marriages that are, that are doing it well at the moment. God, would You help each and every one who's married here today to, to, to look inwards a little bit and to see how we might be able to love our spouses even more, bring You even more honour through the way that we conduct our marriages. God, I pray that You would help us to express our love through our words. God, I pray that You would help us to show our, uh, our love through our actions. And God, I pray that you would help us to cultivate our love through our thoughts. Jesus, would you bring us closer together? Would you help us through the power of your Holy Spirit be transformed into more and more of your likeness as we imitate you, Jesus, and give ourselves up for the other in the same way that you gave yourself up for the church? God, I just want to pray a blessing on each and every marriage here today. Would you protect, would you inspire, would you build and would you strengthen marriages all across Gateway today? In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. Can I encourage all of us to stand on our feet now? We're going to to finish this morning with a song. And it's just a reminder that Jesus is, He needs to be the foundation, of our marriage, Jesus is the one who is first in our lives, and when we seek Him, when we truly go after Him, we start to see things like He sees them. This is a song that asks for wisdom, for God's wisdom, asks for His perspective. So as we sing it today, can I encourage you, use this as a prayer? And if you're here with your spouse in the chorus as we glorify God and declare that He is number one, together stand united and bring glory to God as the author and perfecter of our faith. Why don't we sing today and give glory to God. Yeah. No. to put You first and to love our spouses as You love us. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to encourage you if you're here today and you are looking for somebody to pray for you. You're just in a stage of life where you would like some prayer. I want to encourage you to come down the front after the service. Our prayer team, some of the pastors will be here for you. They would love to pray with you. I want to encourage you as well. Come back next week. We're going to continue the Our House series and uh, it's going to be a fantastic one. So look forward to seeing you next week. But God bless. Have a good one.
0: We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.